HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Nyman Ranch. I'm Paul Willis, a fifth-generation farmer and co-founder of Nyman Ranch Pork Company. Learn more about us at nymanranch.com. And welcome to Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Elena Santigade. My guest today is Margot Brooks of Sugar House Creamery in Upper J, New York. At Sugar House Creamery, Margot, Alex Eaton, and Casey Galligan produced three delicious cheeses, Dutch Knuckle, Pound Cake, and Little Dickens, from the milk of their 12 brown Swiss and one Jersey cow. After purchasing their farm in 2012, Margot and Alex were committed to a holistic farmstead approach. They have done a lot of work on their piece of the earth, and they're also producing fabulous cheese. As part of our Cheese Making Elements series, I'm excited to chat with Margot about the land, the experience, and what it really means to be a farmstead cheesemaker. Margot, welcome to Cutting the Curd. Hi, Elena. Thanks for having me. So first, I'd love to talk about the land, your piece of, of the earth up there in Upper J. So when you first purchased your farm in 2012, how did you decide on the location? How did you know you were going to, you know, that it was going to work out there? What were, the, what were the signs that this was a good spot for your endeavor? Sure. Um, well, we did not purchase based on soil quality, I'll say mm-hmm. that. Um, we, we visited the farm for the first time, and it's 22 acres of very sandy, kind of acidic mm. Adirondack soil, very, like, rolling, steep, mm-hmm. um, hilly pastures. Um, but it was, so it wasn't a great piece of agricultural land, uh-huh. per se, but it was, um, the farm buildings were all really um, perfect for what we wanted to do. So it actually has two mm-hmm. houses on the property, mm. um, a nice big old Dutch gambrel barn, um, which was like the crown jewel of the mm-hmm. of the farm. Just this like really good bones that would make a perfect, um, you know, they, they, we could perfectly envision putting in a creamery and um, we have our office in the barn and packaging room and wow. we put a cave in next to the barn. Wow, um, that so the sounds barn, really like cent- like core to all of, all of it. Yeah, it was definitely core to all of it. And mm-hmm. then there were like a couple other really great outbuildings that were really in good shape. And one of them houses our farm store and one 
hmm. um, has has an Airbnb apartment above it. Mm-hmm. So basically, like coming here and seeing all these beautiful buildings that were in perfect shape, um, the vision all came together for what we wanted to do, um, which was milk a very small herd of cows mm-hmm. and um, sell our our products that we made, which we knew would be cheese, um, mm-hmm. in the area where we were making it. So right. we didn't want to have to schlep our cheese on a weekly basis down to markets in urban areas. We really mm-hmm. wanted to make a product and, and focus on selling it in our region, which um, it felt like that would be possible to do here based on like the year-round tourism economy that exists in the Adirondacks. So that was how we kind of... That, yeah. Those were the things we saw when we first came here. Did you have roots in the Adirondacks before you had the this property? Um, no, not not really. We um, Alex and I both went to school um, just north of where we are now, so kind of just outside the Adirondack Park, more up on the Canadian border at, um, at a little liber- liberal arts college. Um, mm-hmm. So we spent some time in college, like hiking in the Adirondacks, and mm. um, but. Other than that, I grew up in New York State in the central part of the state on a dairy farm, okay. but um, didn't really know much about the Adirondacks, actually. Mm. And so, so um, you know, you had this vision that you would sell everything locally um, and really like serve a very a much more nearby community. Has that worked out according to plan? Has has that surprised you in any way, either working by working out or by working out a little less than you had hoped? Um, I would say we have been um, really pleasantly surprised by how well that's worked out for mm. us. Um, mm-hmm. I think that the people who live in our area, um, a lot of them were hungry for, for a local food scene, so they had been mm. um, kind of making these long treks across Lake Champlain to go to Burlington or Middlebury mm. to, to um, buy food, buy, like, you know, really good local food in uh, Vermont. Mm-hmm. And so by the time we came here, it was like just starting to take off the local food scene and we kind of hit it right right as the wave was was cresting, let's say. Nice. Um, and so we, alongside of a kind of community of other fledgling farm operations, have really built that scene up. Hmm. Um, and, and so do you sell yeah. other people's products also in your shop? We do, yeah. Ah. We sell um, neighbors' eggs and meats. Um, we have uh, bread from a local bakery. We have yogurt from another creamery in Keysville. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a bunch of a bunch of other local products: honey, syrup. Um, How long did it take for you to kind of build those relationships? Were people, you know, you said that things were the food scene was kind of on the rise. Were people like? catching wind of the fact that you were, you know, open to selling other people's products too and kind of jumping in there? Or did you have to kind of convince some of your neighbors to be a part of that? Um, no, it was a very, um, from the get, from the beginning, like very collaborative mm-hmm. vibe here, which we really liked. There's not a big sense of like we're competing with each other. You know, there are three yeah. other creameries right in our area, but we've worked together to start a um, Essex County cheese tour every mm-hmm. fall. And We've never, the farms here are not, don't, there's no sense of competition. It's always, it's like we're this, you know, we're collectively building up the scene and it's that mm-hmm. like rising tide raises all ships approach, which has been yeah. very nice. That's yeah. so great. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you first moved in, 
Did you at that point have to, you know, you mentioned that the structures and the outbuildings were all in fantastic shape. It, was there much that you had to do by way of build-outs, or was it pretty much like a turnkey? No, it was definitely not, not turnkey. Turn- <laughs> so we, we had a lot to do, actually. Um, there were, you know, these great, this great infrastructure in place in terms of, like, the bones of these buildings, but mm. there was not, we had to do a lot of work to get, um, to build out, yeah, the infrastructure in order to milk cows and make cheese. So mm. the, this farm hadn't been farmed um, in I any see. real capacity in, like, 50 years, wow. probably. So the, the pastures were kind of overgrown. There were little trees coming up out there, so we had mm. to work work on those to get them opened up again. And then we had to build a, a milk house. We, there was no running water. There was no electric oh, wow. um, in the barn. So building out the whole space that would house the milk house, the creamery space, um, built, digging and built, putting in a cheese aging cave, putting mm. in our whole office and packaging room. And then we built an entire second barn, which would house the cows in the winter because the big Dutch gambrel barn that I talked about earlier was where we wanted to milk the cows, mm-hmm. and but it's where we also make our cheese. So we didn't want the cows living in that barn. Mm. We don't want a lot, you know, we want to um, minimize kind of ammonia, strong ammonia smell. And right. um, so the cows actually live all winter in another barn that we built, um, which see. is an open kind of freestyle format. And how are you milking the cows? We use machines. We have okay. three machines and we milk on a pipeline. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, so did you, I'm, I'm like amazed at all of the, like sort of even with those good bones, all of the work that you must have done to get everything up and running. How did you tackle it? Did you decide, I mean, was it sort of trial by fire or was there a plan for like dealing with the land and that pasture piece or, you know, then the equipment piece? How did you decide what to do when? <laughs> yeah, um... Well, it was, yeah, it was just a lot of things that needed to be done, and it was definitely trial by fire. And mm-hmm. also we had, we have always had a, a lot of really strong support around us. So, mm-hmm. you know, this isn't just Alex and I. I'm talking about um, his parents who mm-hmm. actually ended up moving here to help wow. us um, from Arizona where they were living at the time. So were they, Did they have a farming background at all? They don't. Um, they, uh, Alex's dad owned his own business mm-hmm. that he started when he was in his 20s and built it up. And when Alex was in high, it was a senior in high school, he sold that business. So he was kind of, he had that business background mm-hmm. that he could come in with and really help us on that end. And Alex's mom was a, a lawyer when she was, um, before she had Alex. Uh-huh. And so she had that kind of legal background, which That's was so very helpful. helpful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, free legal advice as you're starting yes. a cheese business seems crucial. It is so crucial. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my parents, of course, have the dairy farming background, so right. we had that. Um, I mean, we just had the most incredible support around us. Um, That's amazing. And, yeah, and Alex's parents also had a lot of experience with like flipping houses. They've done that a lot. They, they're very, um, do it yourself people. They, you know, so they helped a ton with like the build outs, the plumbing and the electric work that had to be done. And, um, yeah, getting all these space, like building our Airbnb apartment, which we, Mm -hmm. we actually got our Airbnb spaces going before the, um, the dairy aspect. Oh, really? we, We needed some immediate income. Yeah. 
uh, yeah. Have you found that that being a dairy farm and having a, a like full blown dairy operation has changed the Airbnb business at all? Like, are people coming just to be in the wilderness, or do you get a lot of cheese people renting your spaces? It's a real mix, but I would mm-hmm. say mostly it's people coming just to be in the Adirondacks, mm-hmm. and they are like, "Oh, that's cool. We'll stay on this farm too." And right. so. Um, it's kind of cool. They get like that Vermont farm, like farm stay experience, but mm-hmm. they're in the Adirondacks. So it's kind of yeah, like the best neat. of both worlds. Totally. Yeah. Um, so that got you your cash flow right away. That, that sort of relates to my next question, which was how did you, did you get any grants or loans? Did you have yeah. savings that you had worked on? How did you finance everything? Well, prior to buying this place, we were, we were working as farm laborers on another farm. So we definitely mm-hmm. didn't save a lot of money doing that. <laughs> we had done that for five years and really got a lot of experience right, under our belts, but right. we didn't have a lot of money, but we did have some savings. Mm-hmm. Um, but we did have family help in buying the property. So mm-hmm. we had a family loan. Um, so we didn't have to take out a mortgage to right. buy the place. So we were, we were loaned money by family. So That's we so were nice. able to then leverage the property to get startup loans, and got we got those it. through just a conventional farm lender. Uh-huh. Um, so we we got our startup loan capital mm-hmm. in lined up, and then we were able to do all the um, the building, you know, building the cave and mm-hmm. buying the the equipment. It's 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 an expensive thing to get to get going in the dairy world. Yeah, the um, cheese making equipment alone is like yeah. Plus the it's, milking equipment. I mean, it sounds like it was pretty bare bones. So. Yeah, no, we had to buy everything, yep. Um, And I had another point to make about that. Um, (laughs) Oh, and we had off-farm jobs. When we first got here, we immediately Mm. got, um, I was waiting tables. Okay. um, And were you working full-time? Oh, my gosh. And Alex was um, working off-farm, like, selling furniture at a fine furniture store. (laughs) Wow. And how long did you, how long were you both working like that before you went full on in the farm? Yeah, Alex got to, you know, we, through that first winter, we bought the place in, in uh, August of 2012. So through that first fall and winter, we were both just working full time off the farm and renting out the Airbnb Mm -hmm. space for some immediate income. And, Alex got to quit his job that spring in order to focus full time on just like putting, building all the stuff we needed and doing all the work we needed, um, Mm -hmm. on the farm. And I just, um, kept my waitressing job until actually the following year. So we actually got started as a creamery, you know, we got fully started with our business and I was still waiting tables five nights a week in order to, Oh my gosh! yeah, that was like, the most rough. hellish time. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds really rough. But I guess, I mean, how did you get through it? What was your, how did you, how did you bear that? It was really hard. I don't, mm. I think just having each other and really being focused in that, you know, we just, we've always been good at like when it's been the hardest, just stepping back and like supporting each other and being like, we can, Mm. you know, we can really get through this and having that supportive family around us and, um, and other, you know, like I said, we moved into a community of young farmers that were all kind of in the same boat. So Mm. we had a friend who was, they, they had their farm that just getting their farm off the ground and she was going every night to a huge, um, 
industrial welding job that she would do at night. She would work the night shift and do welding on subway cars and then go and farm all day. So, like, we had other friends who were in the same boat, which Mm -hmm. does help a lot just to have that, that, you know, camaraderie around. Yeah, Yeah, totally. Yeah. Was there anything... um you know, like any moments or any areas of the space that sort of brought you kind of like moments of peace during that crazy time or any rituals that you were doing on the farm that kind of reminded you of what the end goal was? Yeah, I mean, it was just the reason we do this is because of those daily rituals. Mm. Like dairy farming has such built-in daily ritual. So Mm -hmm. every morning you get up first thing and you milk your animals and you have that time where you're just like with your beasts Mm -hmm. and you're walking out to pasture to get them. And you have these moments where you're really reminded why you do the thing you do. And, Mm -hmm. um, so that, that's always been the case. Um, it, it, it was as hard as it was to do the waitressing and the farming together. It Mm -hmm. was easier than before we had the animals and I was just waiting tables because I really felt disconnected from my, from that thing, you know, from, from the goal basically, or like the life you were heading toward, I guess. Yeah. As soon as we got the animals in and I was connected back into that daily rhythm of milking the animals twice a day, it felt Mm -hmm. like, Ooh, we can do this. We can. Wow. Oh, wow. Well, I'm I'm so amazed and I'm I'm awestruck. <laughs> uh, but for now, it's time for a quick break. So let's hop out, and uh, listeners will be back in a moment with more from Margot. My name is Paul Willis. I'm a fifth generation hog farmer and I owned and operated the Willis Free Range Pig Farm for over 41 years. I've dedicated my life to revitalizing sustainable hog farming methods in the Midwest and moving farms away from the common industrial practices. In 1998, I established the Nyman Ranch Pork Company. I'm proud to say Nyman Ranch has since grown into a network of over 740 independent family farmers and ranchers today. At Nyman Ranch, our animals are raised with care. We believe that the quality of an animal's life impacts the quality of the meat. Our high standards were developed with the help of animal welfare expert, Dr. Temple Grandin, and are among the strictest in the industry. All of our animals live outdoors or in deeply bedded pens, and they're never given antibiotics or added hormones ever, and are only fed a high quality 100% vegetarian diet. Whether they're raising hogs, cattle, or lamb, Nyman Ranch farmers and ranchers share our commitment to traditional farming. Raising livestock in the way our parents and grandparents did and supporting our rural communities. We share a common belief that humane and sustainable methods produce the best possible flavor. Learn more about our work at Nyman Ranch at nymanranch.com. Welcome back to Cutting the Curd. I'm Elena Santigate, and I'm here with Margot Brooks of Sugar House Creamery. So, Margot, let's jump over and talk a little bit about the cheese, since we are on a cheese show. <laughs> um, how did you decide what to make? Were these, you know, you're, the three main cheeses that you make are all very distinctive styles. Was that always in your thinking about 
um, you know, the farmstead creamery business or have those evolved in another way? They were pretty much there from the get-go. We knew we wanted to um, focus, hone in on just a few cheeses. So mm-hmm. we, we three seemed like a good number from the start. Mm-hmm. Um, we knew that, you know, trying to create a real diverse product line um, just seemed like it, it wasn't a good idea in terms of being able to really get some consistency in your product and mm-hmm. um, and focus on real achieving real quality in those products. So we knew we right. wanted to just focus on the three. Um, and then we kind of just went for styles of cheese that we liked eating. That's <laughs> so. a good rule. That's a good guiding principle. Yeah. <laughs> <feel like>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so we, we kind of just chose the three mm-hmm. styles of cheese that we really liked. The, the Little Dickens, which is a um, super soft kind of I don't know. The way I usually describe it at a farmer's market is to talk about um, like a chev. It's kind mm-hmm. of like a, the style of a a short aged chev, but mm-hmm. it's um, cow's milk. Um, mm-hmm. So if people if people seem like they really know cheese, I'll talk about like um, Saint Marcelin or something like that, right? But, or like a um, um, Robiola, right? Is what it's really like, mm-hmm. but you know. Um, and then the wash drying cheese pound cake that we make is kind mm-hmm. of loosely based on Reblochon right. and uh, Dutch Knuckle, which is kind of that Alpine mm-hmm. Appenzeller styled yes. cheese. Although we refer to it now as an Adirondack Mountain cheese. Oh, I of, love it. Instead of calling to the Alps, you know, like, yeah, it was, we were inspired by the Alps, but mm-hmm. it's, it's. It's a it's its own thing. It's yeah, you have your mountain. own mountains there. Yeah. You can you can yeah. claim it as your own. I love that. Yeah. And so, do you feel like those three cheeses? You know, in ter- in terms of being a farmstead operation, how have you seen, you know, how the animals are doing, what they're eating, different seasons? Like, how are you seeing that play out in the cheeses themselves? Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting. We were talking about this the other day. We had a kind of team meeting and we're just reflecting on like how far we've come as an mm-hmm. operation and all the changes in the, in the farm. And, um, just as we, as we improve our, our, all aspects of our operation. So our animal husbandry and our land management, and we just deepen our connection with our, with our land base and our animals, our mm-hmm. cheese just keeps getting, I mean, our cheese just keeps getting better and better. And mm. we're also deepening that connection with our cheese. We're improving right. just, just those never ending like tweaks to the product, to the um, recipe, if you mm-hmm. want to call it that. Um, yeah. Just the, yeah, the little changes we keep making and, and the more we learn about how the cheese changes with season and all, um, mm-hmm. the flavors of the cheese just keep getting better and more, um, just more interesting and, mm-hmm. Um, I think that speaks to the, yeah, to just all, all those aspects of the operation that are just, that we're improving because we're not making big changes to the, to the, to the cheeses themselves, but they just, they do keep improving and we hear it from customers. They're like, the the cheese is getting better and better and better. And that's, it's so cool to hear. That's great. It's like, that's the, that's the dream. Yeah. So as the, you know, as as you're having that kind of like reflective meeting and you're thinking about all the changes that you're making in different areas of, of the farm, what are you personally like spending most of your time on at this point? 
well, I had a child. Your toddler, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was wondering if that's what you'd say. <laughs> yeah. Um, yep, I have, I have a two-and-a-half-year-old, mm-hmm. so I spend a lot of time in parenting. Mm-hmm. And um, and other than that, yeah, so when once we had her, we hired on another another person part-time, Kelsey Meehan, who uh-huh. helps with um, – with milking and the farm store on Wednesdays and mm-hmm. so does a lot of that midweek milking and has taken a lot of the, that daily um, farm work burden off. So mm. I feel nice. that I spend most of my time right now with in kind of like um, I've kind of like pulled back to like look oversee operations and mm-hmm. like think about vision moving forward but also doing a lot of the like less glamorous tasks like <laughs> cleaning Airbnbs and responding to emails and, right. um, you know, maintaining our social media presence and all mm-hmm. these like little bits and pieces that right. I don't necessarily love, but I still get to do a fair amount of the milking every week to keep me connected to that. It sounds that like the milking is the thing for you. It's like the thing that ties yeah. you to the whole idea of why to live this way. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, it's just the moment where you connect with your animals, and mm-hmm. I really love it's it for. I mean, it could for a lot of people would be like, "Oof, that sounds like the worst." Just like getting up early, having to go out in the cold, or mm-hmm. you know, whatever season, and um, and yeah, any weather, you know, shovel shit and like, <laughs> um, it's it's. But I I love having that connection to the to the work and to the animals, and mm-hmm. in the summer when you have to go out and set up their next day's pasture or their next uh, pasture that they're going into and just mm-hmm. like walking through the the dew and the grass and all those sensory things yeah. that you get to mm-hmm. take in. That's like the best part of it for me. Are you doing that work with your daughter in tow? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of the time she can, she comes out. She's, she's, you know, it's interesting to farm with her through her, whatever phase she's going through of development. Right. But um, for mm-hmm. a while she was content, like hanging out in a, in a j- baby jogger in the barn and like just observing. And now she's like, wants to move around. She really wants to help and engage. And, mm. you know, it's, it can be hard to, to, to um, keep her safe right. <laughs> while you're in a right. barn full of big animals that can crush her. Um, and there's like chemicals and in yeah. the milk house and things like, so there are a lot of dangers that I have to be very aware it's of. It's like a whole her. different landscape than you know, yeah. like what I see in Brooklyn with yes. <laughs> people parenting around me. Yeah. <laughs> but you probably um, have to worry about cars less. So that's, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. No, we, um, on farm store days when there are like people rolling up here to get their milk and mm-hmm. cheese, then we have to worry about that. But, right. Um, no, it's more like the animals and yeah, um, yeah the chemicals hmm. and and keeping the product safe because of course we're we're right. you know like if I'm bottling milk and right. we sell raw milk I, I can't have her like you know mm-hmm. getting her dirty little paws on the <laughs> clean milk jars and um, but she desperately wants to help so finding finding creative ways where I can like pull her into the work and yeah um, it's what's fun. it what's a task that she's been doing lately on the farm. She really likes to give the cows their like bits of their grain when they come in to be milked. So mm-hmm. she has this little scoop, and she can give them each a little bit of grain. And she likes to, you know, f- feed them their hay. So we can we break open a bale of hay, and she can put hay in front of them. And wow. um, after we kick the cows up, out, back out to their barn, um, where they spend most of their time, mm-hmm. she we 
sweep the whole barn down and oh, yeah, remove sweeping. all the poop. And she likes That's to put down one. fresh shavings. And yeah, we, she has her own little broom and she can <laughs> kind of. Is that the setting? Is it similar to the setting that you grew up in? Would you say? Yeah, it's similar. Um, it's much small, you know, even though the farm I grew up on was small, mm-hmm. we milked 100 cows and we right. only milk, you know, 10 to 12 here. So it's much right. smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is very similar, like just same mm-hmm. basic daily rhythms, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Mm-hmm. So um, I can't believe it, but we're getting near the end of the episode. And I really want to ask you, um, you know, just what kind of advice you would have for, you know, people who are kind of like have this same dream and maybe people who maybe aren't uh, second generation dairy farmers, but more like first and are, are kind of want to go after having their own space and having that relationship with the land. Do you feel like there's anything, I don't know, what's the like, you you were successful because you know how do you, how would you end that sentence or or say like the one thing that really made a crucial difference was you know that what are those what are those elements of it yeah um i think that spending we we worked for almost 5 years for on another farm and i think that that was in, insanely um necessary <laughs> like mm, like an apprenticeship almost yeah we way? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really spending time because I think it's easy to um, think. I don't know, just to have think you can do you it do for it. a couple months or <laughs> right. even a year. You can, but we spent five years working somewhere else, and that was yeah. really you. You really realize the longer you do it, the real the more you realize you don't know. <laughs> right, right, and as I think that after a, about a year, you there's this weird thing that happens where you're like, oh, I got this, but then the longer you actually mm. keep doing it, the more you're like, oh no, I did not have it. Like <laughs> there was a lot more. I could I, see like a funny comic where it's like one year, like we masters, we could do anything. Like year three, yeah. like we know nothing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we have everything to learn. Yeah, and then by year five, you're like ready to try out doing it on your own. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that's oh. great. And what, what would you say? I don't know. I, you know, I think the biggest, uh, challenge that people face when they're trying to pursue these dreams is the money piece. Yeah. Um, and it's yeah. definitely interesting to hear that you worked, you know, you had this, this time period where it just was crazy with working other jobs and that you connected with your community. Did you feel like it was easy to connect with other people who were going through the same thing or did you kind of reach out or try to find those other folks in any specific way? Um, it was fairly easy. We're pretty good at reaching out and like mm-hmm. finding other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also, we've been lucky to land in a community that's also really um, welcoming and like mm-hmm. they, you know, I think right off the bat, like people reached out to us and there was like mm-hmm. a, another farm, um, who were like invited us over to dinner and invited other farmers over to come meet us, you know, oh, it was just like so very nice. welcoming. And, yeah. um, there's just, I think that I'd say that tends to be the case for within the, um, kind of small scale regenerative farming mm-hmm. world that I've seen. Yeah. I, I know we have other friends like in Vermont and in other areas where that seems to be the case too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Well, that's great. That's very heartwarming. 
<laughs> um, and I can't believe it, but we're, we're out of time here. So, Margo, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Well, thank you. Good luck through the rest of the winter season. <laughs> Thanks so much. Okay. Bye, Alina. Bye. Listeners, I hope you enjoyed this week's show. Don't forget, we always want to hear what you think of the show. Message us on Twitter and Instagram at Cutting the Curd or shoot us an email at CuttingTheCurd at HeritageRadioNetwork.org with any feedback or show ideas. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back next week with more Cutting the Curd. Cutting the Curd is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. <laughs>